Hey friends, I just stopped by to tell you about what's going on in my writing life. I've completed the prequel to my novel, A Fifth of the Story. I'll tell you about that later, but A Fifth of the Story is actually debuting February 27th, 2024. It's coming out through Endgame Press and the imprint Harambee. Really excited about working with the folks over there. And I'm loving this novel so much that I decided to continue to be friends with the characters and just let them live out their lives in the next couple of books. More on that. One of my favorite characters is Brock O'Reilly. He's a deeply layered character. And if you know me, you'll know that I'm a born storyteller and I write with a fine touch. I've got a sharp eye for detail. That's why I I like to ask a lot of questions, but I've got a real firm grasp on the complexity of human relationships and also the delicacy of the intel agency and how they operate. But Brock is someone who is really sophisticated, really smart, really into his friendships and protective about them and the people he loves, but he's got a really dark secret that he hopes no one finds out about. And when you read the book, you'll find out why he wants no one to know. Throughout this novel, there are also people that I absolutely adore. There's Shugs, there's Pang, there's Patty, there's Dr. Harper, there's Snake, who he's a bad guy. But looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this novel and I can't wait to get it out there because it's with incredible empathy and candor that I tackle lots of issues in my, in, in my novel. I tackle race and privilege and prejudice and justice and compassion and secrecy and loyalty, all that rich stuff. So can't wait to share a fifth of the story with the world. Welcome to our podcast, Murder, Mystery, and Mayhem, Laced with Morality, where all authors and experts are invited to share, learn, and together make this a better world where light pierces through the darkness with the spoken and written word. Well, I'm excited for our guest today. I know how we say that, but I really mean it. Um, so my guest today is CJ Malacy. Did I say that right? Okay. Yes. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. I was honored to meet her through a conference that we both attended. It's the Blue Ridge Mountain Christian Writers Conference that took place uh, this past spring. And um, she is just an award-winning author because she really cleaned up at that particular conference. So let me just tell you about my new author friend. Um, She has found creating to be therapeutic in the chaos of life. Um, Writing is her favorite way to create, and she seeks to take her readers on a grand adventure. And that begins with a single word. As a referee, she's a referee, y'all, right? A referee for lacrosse. And is it lacrosse and something else or just lacrosse? Uh, Lacrosse and field hockey. Field hockey, yeah. Um, she's always relearning the hard lesson that it's impossible to make everyone happy. Yes, that's definitely true. I learned that as a teacher and as a principal. Mm-hmm. 
if everyone's happy, actually, there might be a problem. Right. <laughs> I don't think you're doing things right. <laughs> She's discovered that stories can be found anywhere, even on a lacrosse field. She's passionate about crafting stories of good overcoming evil. Perfect. That's just what this podcast is all about. And finding hope in the midst of seemingly hopeless circumstances. Um, and also true acceptance. She's always willing to get real about hard issues. She enjoys the cheesiest of puns. It's my person right there. I was an English major. I'm cheesy to the core. Uh, she loves deep conversation, yo-yos, rollerblading, and also finding reasons to throw a dance party. I think I think you and I would really get along, CJ. I really do. <laughs> um, she chats about writing, her faith, and the hope found in Jesus, bubble tea, another favorite, and other fun adventures online. And we'll talk later about how to connect with her when we get to the end of our time together. But welcome, CJ, and congrats again on all of your awards. Tell us oh. about the book you, you, won, you won these awards for. Oh, well, first, thank you so much for having me, Catherine. I'm excited to be here and um, to be a part of this great podcast today. Um, so the book that won the awards is Recruit of Talionis, and it's about a teen girl who gets kidnapped and forced to become a soldier in the strange city of Talionis, and it's set in an imagined future where America has fallen. So it's um, a young adult story, but it's been well received from people of all ages which has been exciting to see a lot more men like it than I ever thought would be reading wow. my story and um, yeah and it's been it's been humbling and exciting just to watch how God has taken it to places I didn't ever expect so I, I um, I'm excited to see what he does from here but it's it's a lot of fun to just be on this journey with him in the process yeah wow so did you expect to to win that big? No. I, had no idea. <laughs> I was a little shocked, um, to be honest. But um, yeah, I definitely did not expect to. You know, you hope you so you go to these things, you submit your book for an award, and you hope that people enjoy it enough to see it move forward in that process. Um, when I found out I was a finalist, I was really excited. But, you know, you still think, oh, there's these other great books and right. I know some of the names of the other authors and I was like, Oh, their books are really good. And yeah. you know, so then to win was truly humbling and yeah. just was shocking. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I'm still in all about it. I have people bring it up to me faster than I can mention it just because I, I kind of forget forget it happened. I just got the, you know, I've got the award plaques and sometimes I look at them and I'm like, Oh, I, I did win. That's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, that's quite a, it's quite an honor because you are you're right. You're up against tons of people who are really accomplished and, uh, you know, they're known names in the industry. And for you to win just shows that you're you've established yourself as very as someone who's extremely talented. And we were talking behind the scenes. Um, CJ is actually an indie published author. And she and I both have that in common. My first book was indie published. Uh, and we learn a whole lot behind the scenes because to do it right, you have to subcontract everything out. You you do learn a lot about the publishing industry by, by doing that. But 
before I forget, I, I, I must have you talk to us about Kickstarter because I know very little about that. Sure. So I love Kickstarter. Um, it's a way to essentially crowdfund. It, it is a crowdfunding platform. So you can you bring in other people to help bring your project to life, your creative project. So Kickstarter, I think it's primarily known for their board games. A lot of board game creators launch their projects on Kickstarter. Wow. Uh, probably the, the most well-known book is the Brandon Sanderson Kickstarter that was, uh, I think it was in 2022. Um, and he got, I think, over $40 million. That, now, my Kickstarters do not do that well. <laughs> but um, but it, it is just a really neat way to involve your audience in your book writing process. So I use it, some people will use it to just fund their whole creating of the project. I use it as a pre-launch for my book. So what I offer is a Kickstarter several months before I officially launch the book everywhere. And it's the way for my readers to kind of get that sneak peek, that early preview. You know, if you got invited to a movie premiere before it's released everywhere else, it's that kind of feel so they can get the book in their hands months before it releases anywhere else. So the Kickstarter um, is also really neat because it it gives them this opportunity to like get the book early, but there's also all of these extra things that you can add in. So you have your initial funding goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't hit that funding goal, you don't get any of the funds. So, oh. you know, so you do want to set that at a, a level that you're pretty sure you're going to reach. Okay. Um, but then after the it funds you can reach for stretch goals and each stretch goal essentially gives your backers another cool thing that gets added into their campaign so it's like how you could take um like i don't know like a pre-order campaign for example and you know how they'll be like oh and you can get this bookmark and this extra short story and x y and z and you if you pre-order the book you get all of these cool extras well you can essentially do that with kickstarter but this way you also like know each of your backers and you're able to tell them, oh, look, I'm going to write your name in the book or like uh, you get added to the acknowledgement section or uh, you get an extra, you get a bookmark now and you get this short story or we're going to create an audio book or these different tiers that you can go for. And it's so much fun because it gives, I love it because it's something that, yes, it benefits me. I get this chunk of change. I can order books. I can cover some of my costs that are associated with publishing, but What's even better in my mind is that I get to then really like bless my readers. Like these are more your like what quote unquote super fans, you know, the ones who they love you. They love what you're doing. They're excited to buy your book. And this gives them an opportunity to like not only support you, but get all this cool extra stuff in the process. And um, I have different tiers. So I have levels where people can actually help me create a character for later in the series. And so they'll back at $500 and help me create a character who's going to appear in the next book and things like that. So these opportunities that you really don't get in any other platform, but Kickstarter opens the door so that you can now have your readers as an intimate part of the process. And it really does like it covers my cover design, some of my editing costs, these a, a small print run. So I get enough books not only to give to my backers, but now I've got like a nice little backlog. If I go somewhere in person and I speak or I have an event and I want to bring some books, I have books. I don't have to order them. Like I already have books on hand. And so that's a really neat uh, 
bonus as well. So I could go on and on about Kickstarter. I love it. I think it's such <laughs> a cool opportunity um, for authors that's unique. Right now, it's a newer thing. In the past couple of years, it's gotten a lot bigger, but it's still new. It's still kind of in that early stage. But even if you get uh, $3,000, like imagine $3,000 just for your books, and that suddenly takes you to a new place that otherwise you don't know if you'll make three thousand dollars in sales of a book like we we don't know how our books are going to do but but this is like great because you do get that money and it's kind of a cool test like all right does this book sound good to people you know I'm offering them sample chapters if they're reading it are they buying like are people it's like a great test market is my book something people are actually interested in buying or am I fooling myself and hoping that it is you know so um so it's 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 both terrifying exhausting and exciting and so much fun at the same time so let so then how do you find your initial audience so one of the things that I've heard said and I like to say as well now is that you have to have like you you have a crowd you bring a crowd to kickstarter kickstarter brings a crowd to you so you really want to go into a Kickstarter already having people mm-hmm. that you know they're excited about your project mm-hmm. you, they understand why you're doing it they they're behind you in this they're ready they want to do this with you okay. and um they're gonna back so I had uh for my first book it was kind of scary because you know you have friends and family who say they're excited but you're like okay but when you have to put money in it that's like a whole different level <laughs> of excitement talk you know right. so this is a different thing at that point so yeah. um you know but I mean, by God's grace, my first campaign funded in 20 minutes. I had a $1,000 funding goal. We hit that in 20 minutes and then uh, just kept going. It was wild, very crazy to see. Um, And that first one, you know, it's a lot of friends and family. It's the people that you have established a relationship with in a lot Mm -hmm. of senses. You know, maybe it's your great aunt Sally, who, in fact, you don't really want great aunt Sally buying your book because she does not read this type of book. And on Amazon, it's going to mess up the algorithm, right? So that's not really a help if great aunt Sally buys it there because it throws things off. But if she buys it on your Kickstarter, no algorithms messed up. No one cares her what she normally reads. This just helps you and helps the process and she gets to be a part of it so you have those kinds of people um and then in the second campaign I had a lot of people who backed the first campaign who I didn't know they came through kickstarter's platform in the first one and then they came back and bought book two so I was like that's good that means they read the book and liked it they're not just my parents and you know some friends you know they're these are readers who enjoyed the story and they're coming back for book two so wow yeah so then how do you how do you continue to establish a relationship? Do you produce a newsletter? How do you Okay. Yeah. So I for I have like an email list that with a newsletter that goes out um a couple times a month t- typically. Some months it's more, some months it's less. Mm-hmm. I know there's probably some real benefits to having that strategically planned regularly, yeah. but I kind of <laughs> just talk to my people when, whenever yeah. something's happening that I think they might be interested in, which I have a lot of teens and young adults on my newsletter, so I don't think they mind. I think they're okay. like fine with, with it being like that. But um, so they, uh, so I have that. So I send out emails. I keep people up to date that way. One of the other side benefits of Kickstarter is that as soon as you run that campaign, you always have access to posting updates and connecting one-on-one with your backers. That that doesn't go away when the campaign ends. So when I launched my campaign for book two this past uh, spring, um, it, it was in March 
end of March, early April. And when I launched that, I was able to go and post an update on the first campaign. Said, hey, if you liked book one, you can go check it out here. When someone backs the campaign, I can send them a direct message and say, thank you so much. I'm excited to share the book, et cetera, et cetera. I get to, you don't get to do that if someone buys your book on Amazon. You don't know who that is. We'd all be terrified, really. Let's be real. If Amazon told everyone who was buying stuff, that would be a little freaky. So we don't want Amazon to do that, but they don't. So Kickstarter, you can do that. And then I can go one-on-one message backers. So I had a guy who I didn't know who backed my first campaign at $500 because he wanted to create a character. I, at first, wow. I thought it was fake, but the money came out so, of his credit card. So I guess it wasn't, you know, I actually talked with him. We created a character. So when the second book launched, I messaged him through Kickstarter and was like, hey, um, I can't wait for you to meet Broche in book two. Just so you know, if you want to get it early, you can back the Kickstarter. So he came over and backed the Kickstarter, you know, so oh, just wow. cool things like that. So it, it offers a lot of ways to connect and pull people in and, uh, you know. That's exciting because even if they, even if someone is supporting you and they're not an author, they're involved in the process. So maybe they're not a writer, but they get to help write your book in a way by creating a character. That's really exciting. And I'm so glad that you're on here to share that with us because lots of us are always looking for new ways to build our platform, to um, help compensate. Even people who are traditionally published, you know, they're... uh, Traditional publishers now do expect uh, you to be involved in your own platform building. And and that's not free. You know, yeah, there are many things that we can do that are free, but um, it's time, it's money there, you know, there's investments that you make. And, and so this is just another great opportunity. Is there, is there an initial fee that you have to pay, pay at all? No, no, no. Kickstarter. Now Kickstarter takes a transaction fee, so they don't charge anything if you don't fund. Um, If you do fund, there's like a percentage that Kickstarter takes for their platform use, as you would expect. And then whatever the credit card processing fee is, I think it was like eight to 10 percent of your total um, somewhere in there, which is is really I don't think that's bad considering I'm getting people that I never would have. Right. You know, people look at Kickstarter. It's like they go shopping on Kickstarter. There are there are super backers. They back projects all the time. They search Kickstarter because they like Kickstarter. It's where they shop. They want to be a part of that new thing, that up and coming game, that new book, that new author. So they're excited to find something like that. And so those are people they're not they're not really they're not your traditional person that you'd expect to find on Amazon. So yeah. I'm like, I'm willing to give Kickstarter a little money back because I got the, all this stuff yeah. from them, you know? So, man, this is, that, yeah, this is really good. I, I'm grateful that you, um, that you shared with us all of this. And, and so you're also telling us, well, telling me behind the scenes that you actually work as, um, in the publishing industry as a, an assistant for an author. Yeah. So, okay. Wow. So, so what do you mind telling us what author friends uh, you have and um, have they helped you become a better writer? Sure. Yeah. Well, I have many author friends now, which I'm so thankful for. Um, And I mean, I could probably spend 20 minutes listing all of their names, but I have, um, yes, the short answer is yes. They have definitely helped me become a better writer. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a part of an incredible word weavers group. Um, It's page 31. They're fantastic. They are so wonderful. And I learn something every time I go to one of our meetings, whether I'm getting my book critiqued, I'm working with like critiquing someone else's or listening to my friends critique 
someone else's work. But it's just I'm really blessed to be in a, a solid group with incredible writers. And so I learn each time I'm there, you know, from from each of them. And I have others like young adult authors that I, I'm connected with who um, we brainstorm marketing. We talk about different ideas for our stories. And, you know, so I really I have so many fantastic author friends and some that I get to work alongside of. Um, I've helped different authors in different parts of their journey, whether it's with launching a book or marketing or um, Kickstarter. I've done some stuff with different authors for that. And um, one author I, I help, she's got an incredible ministry, de- like in- encouraging and helping others. She lost her son um, in a tragic car accident and her wrote a memoir that's actually just God's using it to really reach so many lives. And mm. she's busy. So I get to come alongside her and do things that she maybe can't, um, ha- doesn't have time for. So um, I love being an author's assistant. I love, it's taught me so much. I've learned from authors further ahead in their journey than I am. And I've grown as in marketing and writing all of those things as a result and it's been a lot of fun worked with a lot of different people so yeah it's but I'm always I always say to someone who wants to start writing um, I think it's important to surround yourself with solid great people that you want to learn from and that can encourage and help you in this journey because as much as writing is solitary on so many levels there's a huge community aspect as well and we need each other to to do this so um, it's great to have more. I love getting to know new author friends like you and, yeah. you know, others that I meet at conferences and in different places. So it's um, it's important to have those those author and writer friends for sure. So you so you do assist people with their book launches. That's good to know. Yeah, I do. Oh, OK, so we'll make sure we we have to make sure we get your contact information because you never know. There are people who are always looking for someone to help them out with those things. Great. Um, yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about your strategy regarding your books. Are you looking for each book to stand on its own or are you trying to build a body of work with connections between each book? My current series is definitely interwoven and connected. So the story builds um, in the series. Mm-hmm. It's like how Hunger Games, you know, you walk from one book to the next and yeah. it was all the same continuation of Um, Katniss's story right so it's very similar with mine Um, it's a young adult genre so I think that's expected a lot in that genre specifically and I also have short stories and other like a companion story that I'm currently working on that weave into the overall series you don't have to read all of them but if you wanted to know more about that bad guy's backstory or this character and who he was before this you know you can read the short story or the you know, novella about them and it can layer in so that those people who really want to immerse themselves in that story world can. Um, and if you just want to read the series, you can just read the series, you know, so kind of have it both ways. Wow. Okay. That's really good to know. Um, <laughs> how did publishing your first book change your process of writing or did it? Um, I it definitely did because Once that first book is out, you know, you go three days and then you're told, oh, I can't wait for book two. And you're like, I just sent out book one. What do you mean? You can't wait for book two. You finished it. Took me all that time to write it and you're finished already. You know, so so, um, I think that definitely my timeline shifted. So, you know, you have deadlines, you have things 
expectations from readers and I want to meet them. I want them to trust that if I start a series, I'm going to keep writing that series. I'm going to finish it. You know, I want to build fans. I want to build readers who are excited to walk with me in that journey. So I definitely have learned to write faster. Um, A lot more goes into my research, outlining and planning process now so that when I sit down for that first draft, I can write a cleaner first draft it's not clean my first drafts are ugly but it's better you know so that when I edit it's an easier editing process so I've kind of tried to streamline everything and make it tighter so that it can flow better overall okay so what about we talked a little bit about money and the, you know all of the money involved in, in uh, writing believe it or not folks if, you, if you're not if you're not aware uh, there are <laughs> costs involved Um, So what is the best money you think you've ever spent as an author? That's such a great question. Um, I, I agree. There's a lot of costs involved. And I think if you want to take it seriously, it's an investment um, overall in, you know, you have to make an investment in something that you believe is what God's called you to or what you really want to do. Right. So, um, but I think overall the best money I've spent is really in learning the craft of writing. So the books I've purchased, the courses I've taken, the writers groups I've joined, the conferences I've gone to, I know I just balled that all into one thing, but it really is learning and growing in the craft. And I believe that that has been the best investment. I've spent money on great. I have an incredible cover designer. She's amazing. I have great editor but and those are important costs but if I didn't have that base of a solid story underneath those things Mm -hmm. then oh people pick up the book because it's a good cover but my editor can only do so much if the book's not well written so I think at the end of the day the money I've spent to learn the art of writing has really been the most important investment into this career that I could put into it yeah okay that oh yeah um What do you think literary success would look like if you were to have your ultimate career? What would that look like to you? Oh, well, I think, I mean, obviously, of course, you it's you want to sell lots of books and it's fun and exciting and humbling to win awards. But at the end of the day, um, what success looks like to me is if I can touch one person's heart with my stories, if if I can show one person that hope can pierce through the darkest of times and places and that there is something bigger than this life that can impact this life powerfully, if I can impact someone's life for eternity, ultimately, that is success. But that's not something I can do. <laughs> I know that's by God's grace, like his work through my life. But that is, that's my prayer, you know, that one day in heaven, I can hear from someone that like, hey, my book actually impacted their journey in this life in a way that uh, could only have been by God's grace and through his hand, but that it was a tool in his hand that he used. I think that would be what ultimate success would look like to me. Um, Yeah. Hey, so I want to pause and I want to just um, read an excerpt from your, your book, the last book that you had that you won a 5 million awards for. (laughs) This is just a short excerpt. So here it is. No matter how fast I am, it's never enough. Taking a deep breath, I plunge beneath the surface and dive to the bottom. It doesn't take long before my fingers sink into the sandy floor. The gentle ebb and flow of the current mocks me, like the monster cradling me just to whisper in my ear, his death wasn't my fault but yours. 
The need for air burns my lungs. Pushing off the ground, I shoot to the surface, bursting through in a spray of water. A sob lodges in my throat, but I swallow it and turn to stare up into the clear blue sky. I want to do another lap, but my body is done for now. Gria! The water dis- distorts my name just like it does everything else. I turn to the shore. The familiar form standing on the beach beckons impatiently. I groan. The wind picks up her red hair, billowing it out like a warning. What is Shay doing here? I debate diving under the water and pretending I didn't see her. But that will only delay the inevitable. So I swim until I'm in shallow water and slosh the rest of the way to the beach. Just This is just an excerpt of just a powerful writer that you are. Um, and the, in the story, I mean, this is not supposed, this is not, um, hopefully this is not a spoiler alert, you know, too much. Um, it's pretty, you pretty much find this out early in the book that the main character lost her brother. And the way that it's written, it's written so powerfully. It really spoke to me. It, it choked me up a bit because I, I lost my brother. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's that the feeling of untimely death, it's, it's a guilt, even though things happen where, you know, it really wasn't your fault, uh, but you have, you pour all of those emotions in there. How, how do you think you were able to be successful at doing that? Wow. Well, thank you for that. Um, I think I, any writer, when you really write something that touches a heart or evokes that emotion, I think it, it just means that you bled a little bit into the story yourself. And so I think it is just the stuff in my own life, in my own history, the difficulties I've gone through, the pain, um, you know, and letting God heal that and work in me first, right? But then allowing that to be something he could use to, I guess, bleed into that story so that it can then come across so powerfully to someone else. Um, but it, I think that that's what it comes from, just my own my own life, you know, the the good things, but also the really hard things. And I think sometimes the hard, awful things in our lives, oftentimes those are the things that shape us the most, mm-hmm. you know, make us who we are yeah. um, and give us the ability to comfort others with the comfort we've received, yeah. essentially. And um, so I think that that's a lot of where that came from. Um, my relationship with my brother has been, I have a brother, he, uh, but it's it's been there have been losses in that relationship and I know that that's a big part of where some of that stuff comes from for sure yeah so. yeah you're right uh, you you're right they're they're close family members you may have they may not have died but they're parts of that relationship that have definitely died and you don't know that they'll ever come alive again you hope they will but um that's such a <laughs> that's such a great point people don't mm-hmm. have to pass on on you know to for you to see that that relationship is just dead or dying. Mm-hmm. Um, so how have you found to be the best way to market your books? Is it through Kickstarter oh. or are there other ways that you do that? Um, well, Kickstarter has been great, but I think you need to have marketing before Kickstarter. You know, you, you, you build your email list and you build that platform. Um, I'm a, I love marketing on one level. Um, which I don't think a lot of authors say, but I think there are some fun things to it. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is why I help authors with marketing. Yeah. But um, but I I'll be I'm a big <laughs> yeah go for it. Um, I'm a big proponent of owning your platform. So mm-hmm. having an email list, um, your own website, even like a podcast like this, this is something you own and you kind of have that control. You know, if you send an email to your email list, it gets to every person's inbox. You know that's going to happen. And whether they open it or not, that's now on that person, but they have the opportunity to. Whereas with social media, um, I can post something on Instagram. It can be fantastic, but there's a, a high chance that most of my followers aren't going to see it. They're not going to they're not going to hear that announcement. They're not going to hear this exciting news. They're not going to know what I want them to know. Mm -hmm. So not that social media is terrible, but I just think there's some weaknesses in social media that some other things actually can give you strengths in. So I love building a newsletter. I think it's so important. It's a great way to connect with readers. And I love love it because I have people email me back and forth. I've gotten to know different Uh, fans who've read my book and loved it, different young writers who want to learn more about writing and they're following me through my newsletter. And it's just been such a fun way to connect Mm -hmm. um, beyond just also actually marketing the book. So now I have all these people who my new book is going to come out and I can email all of these inboxes and say, hey, this next book is out, you know? So I think that's a really powerful tool. It's probably my number one piece of marketing advice uh, because it is something that you can actually measure the results on. You can see people are, are they opening your emails? Are they reading your emails? Are they replying to that? You know, are you seeing sales? This kind of thing can actually be measured, whereas social media, it's a lot harder to measure. Yeah. So. so so do you, okay, this is, this is a question I wanted to ask. Do you have a separate uh, social media account for each book? No, I don't. Um, I'm not sure if that might be a, a good option, but I just have CJ Malacy pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Um, not that I do much on all of those places, mostly on Instagram, <laughs> but um, yeah, but I, uh, I just post a, all about my writing journey, yeah. about me, about my books, kind of all in the same places. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And your website is beautiful. It's done really well. Um, I love, I love the fact that you have the press, the press release kit right there. Uh, and then you even have the things that you speak about. Um, for, at the time of this interview, CJ is single. <laughs> Maybe yes. ready to mingle. I'm not sure. But, <laughs> but um, she does. She speaks about wholeness and singleness. I think that's really powerful because I, I remember being a young unmarried. And I remember going to church feeling like they're just preaching to people who are married with children. And. I, I have a heart for that community for young young uh, people who are unmarried and thriving in their singleness. We, you know, we, we don't know everyone's plan. It, it, we don't have to look at everyone as a complete person unless they're, you know, uh, married and they have children. Tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. Well, I have seen that singleness can be an incredibly blessed season that God can work in and use in ways that maybe you couldn't be used if you're married with kids, you know, especially, you know, a lot of my friends have young kids. So their their lives are very much in their little kid world because that's what happens, you know, and I have a lot of freedom to travel, to do things, to, you know, have my own timeline that I'm working on. And, and that's a huge blessing. But I also, I've seen so many girls who 
are desperate to get married and they settle or they, you know, they marry somebody that they know they shouldn't marry. And then they end up miserable and they end up just broken and wishing they hadn't done it that way. Or they end up mourning, even if they marry a great guy, mourning a season that they totally ignored because they were so busy looking ahead to the next thing. And just my heart is to say, I mean, I guess to guys too, but specifically to young women, like, you know, God can use you in your singleness. You're not half a person. You're not worthless. You're complete. You're whole. You have a purpose right now today. Mm -hmm. And God wants to walk with you in that thing. And if you can embrace where you are now, if you can be content with with who you are, with where God has you in your singleness, you'll actually be so much better set up for marriage. Because yeah. if you can't, if I can't be content now as a single woman, if I get married to an awesome guy who's just everything that I could ever hope for, I'm not going to be content with him because contentment's a heart issue. It is not a circumstance issue. Yeah. And so just learning like to be content and to actually embrace where I'm at in my life it's been such a freeing and powerful thing because now I can open my eyes in a day and just be like, okay, God, what do you have for me today? And I can be excited because yeah. I'm looking for that today and not worried about, well, what if I never get married? Well, I mean, I'm not going to have the grace to not be married at 50 if God, unless God gives it to me. But right now I'm not 50 and unmarried, so I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> so just kind of being where I'm at today and letting God work and letting him take me on the adventure that is this life and all its ups and downs. And it's been truly incredible to see how gracious he is through that process and that he's enough you know he really is enough yeah but this is i think this is a great note to end on he is enough god is enough. Mm -hmm. and i love that um that as a young person you're saying you know what is you need to be a whole person by yourself you you cannot and that, that was some of the greatest teaching that i heard before um entering this new season of marriage because I've been divorced. And so I remember the late uh, Dr. Miles Monroe, who had an anointing for teaching singles. And he had said that it's really dangerous to get into this Hallmark thinking, nope, nothing against Hallmark. I love them. I buy the cards all the time. But it's this attitude, you you know, you're my other half. You complete me. And he, and he was like, no, you've got to be a complete person by yourself. We, you need the math is a little different when it comes to relationships. Two holes make a better marriage or relationship. And that's that's to be that's something that we can apply to all of our relationships, our friendships, um, all relationships actually. That we we've, yeah. we've got to be that whole person. We shouldn't be someone who's who's draining the other person or we need that person. We've got to we've got to be whole in in and out of ourselves, you know. So Thank you for offering that to us and giving us that sagey wisdom. <laughs> I, hey, CJ, I, I would love for you to come back on um, real soon because I feel like we haven't even we haven't even gotten below the surface. I mean, you're a deep girl. I could just go on and on with you, um, but you've got to get back on here with us. You promise? I would love to. I would absolutely love to. Okay, that would be great. Well, well, please. Um, share how our listeners can stay in touch with you. Sure. So the best way is, um, again, my newsletter. So you can find that if you go to cjmalacy.com slash newsletter, you can sign up right there and get a free short story. Along with that, um, I'm also everywhere online at cjmalacy.com. 
and I recognize that my last name isn't exactly um, radio friendly. So I will give all of those links to you, Catherine, so you can share them with your audience. Yeah. So CJ, spell that out for us. Sure. M-I-L-A-C-C-I. Yeah. Okay. So listeners, please don't forget to pierce through the darkness with the spoken and written word.